This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Ed Elfman, Senior Vice President for Ag and Rural Banking Policy with the American Bankers Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Edge, the dairy farmer cooperative that gives milk a voice. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with ABA's Ed Elfman next. Edge is the dairy farmer cooperative that gives milk a voice. Edge gives every dairy farmer a progressive voice in matters critical to their business and the dairy community. Edge provides leading-edge member representation and addresses farmers' diverse needs and challenges. Edge is an energetic, forward-thinking organization representing all farmers equally, recognizing both the differences and similarities in farms, regardless of size, business goals, geography, and ownership. Now more than ever, dairy farmers need to be heard. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. A little less than a third of the 6,000 banks of the nation are classified as rural banks, with at least 15% of their portfolios tied to agriculture. Ed Elfman is Senior Vice President for Ag and Rural Banking Policy for the American Bankers Association. He says the agriculture industry is clearly in transition. The question is where? We don't know where it's going exactly, but we know that profitability and income has declined slightly, but it's still above historic highs. So when we're looking at where we're going as bankers and and how we're viewing this next cycle coming up, it's this idea of we may have less cash in our pockets, but we still have cash as producers, as farmers, to move forward and, and get loans and keep moving the economy forward in the ag world. We just might have to be a little more leery about what that next two to three years looks like. With the decline in farm income, can you see that in the attitude and in the profitability, for that matter, of your rural banks? We're more cautious. Um, Banks are always risk-aware, but we're more cautious than we have been in the past. Not to the point where we're not making loans or anything like that. I mean, loan volumes are at all-time highs, but rather just making sure that there's cash flow within an operation, or that we're doing everything we can to make sure that an operation stays healthy. You always got to look at every factor on a farm. You can't you can't treat every farm the same, right? Because one might be 50/50 corn soybeans, one might be 50/50 cotton and soybeans, but you can't you can't treat them exactly the same. Because of that, going forward here, we're making sure that our farmers stay well capitalized, that they're not going out too far, extending themselves too far on different lines of credit, but instead setting themselves up to weather any potential storm and get to that next high profit period. The Chicago Fed has talked about increased debt for agriculture and challenged debt service. Now, recently, ABA has surveyed some of your rural ag lenders. What have they said? The biggest thing that a lot of our bankers have said is they still view agriculture as healthy. Um, they're not nervous. They're they're just cautious. We're seeing that they're using some alternative financing, uh, whether it's using co-ops for lines of credit or whether it's using different loan programs, whether through USDA or Small Business Administration, to leverage some of the risk issues that they might have. But we are concerned in the decline in farm income, and it, a lot of farms, the way they're they're looking at this or approaching this, and there's real conversations happening of does your spouse go back to work? Um, Do you look at bringing off-farm income back onto the farm? Is there other things that you should be looking at in the wintertime, maybe as a a crop farmer? 
should you diversify your operation some more? So from our survey, we're seeing a lot of those types of conversations. But in, in general, they seem to be in a pretty good spot. Uh, dairy is the one big area that there's a lot of concern. But lenders are just, they're cautious. They're cautious going forward. They're not nervous. They're cautious. At this stage of the cycle, what about demand for loans and even loan approval rates? So right now, we're seeing that loans are as, as high as they've ever been. Approval rates seem to be pretty good so far. And, you know, overall, the average ag lender expected over half their customers to be profitable. So with that being the case, they're still making loans. Again, they're just looking at risk management along with those loans. There, there might be instances of someone who didn't have crop insurance in the past, and we're encouraging them to have crop insurance going forward, you know, things along those lines. Are there segments of producers or are there regions of the country that may really struggle to find operating loans in 2018? I would say the regions that will struggle the most are your dairy regions and parts of the south based on some of the cotton issues that have happened over the last few years. But in reality, we're going to make loans from the banking industry as long as they're as long as they cash flow. I mean, that's that's the easy answer on that. Regardless of, of what, what type of operation you have or what part of the country you may be in, as long as there is long-term ability to make sure that those loans continue to be healthy, we'll make those loans. I'm not hearing very much on uh, denials or anything along those lines. Instead, it's, it's just making sure that those loans are the right type of loans going into the future. One of the patterns that we have seen, and we'll get more to the Farm Bill in just a couple of minutes, but but one of the points that we've seen over the past couple of years is increased demand for FSA guaranteed loans. Is that a sign of the times, or is that a sign perhaps of the structure or, or the age of producers today? I think a big part of it on the FSA guaranteed side of the world is there's multiple factors that have gone into that. One of the biggest being it's a great program for our bankers to use. FSA is almost a perfect partner in a lot of ways to work with our banks, making sure that we provide a, a loan product that helps reduce the bank's risk while helping to make sure that customers are getting the right, the right type of funding. Um, and a lot of it has to do with making sure that we don't overextend or we don't have more risk than we need, and FSA loans help pull back a lot of that risk for our lenders. We're seeing the U.S. economy moving in a more positive direction. Unemployment figures are down. Interest rates apparently are coming back up again. Is that an area that's going to play into the portfolios of some of your customers? As far as interest rates going up, I mean, that's just, that's part of the economy. Uh, with different folks who might come into the Federal Reserve and whatever decisions they might make. I hate to say it is what it is, but in, in a lot of ways, it's what you deal with every day. We're still not into the 1980s where we had 16, 18, 20% interest. So for us, when we're looking at this, long term, you have to set an operation up so they're able to deal with those interest rate fluctuations and able to work through any potential ups and downs that might occur because of that. Do ABA members, rural community banks, do you have capital right now that you could use to help farmers, ranchers, and rural businesses that regulations are preventing you from making those loans? The simple answer is yes. That's one of the biggest challenges we have on the regulatory front is agriculture is unique. 
and it needs to be treated uniquely. And ag banks are unique. We are structured in the in rural communities much differently than we might be structured in other parts of the country. And part of it is the way our our loan looks and the portfolio of our loan. And I, I mean, I'm from rural Minnesota, where <laughs> you could have a bank that had snowmobile loans, you know, and which is unique to that part of the world. Um, but on the regulatory side, we've had to hold a lot of capital and not be able to push that capital out. And when we hold on to that capital, it only prevents us from making more loans, uh, more small-dollar loans. You know, in a rural community, a bank, especially especially these ag banks, even though we call them ag banks, they do everything. They're doing home loans. They're doing car and truck loans. They're doing small business loans. They're doing ag loans. But if they have this capital held and they can't use it, you're just you're not helping someone in a in a small town maybe start a new business or helping that dealership that snowmobile dealership sell one more snowmobile. So that creates a a very big issue for us in a lot of our smaller banks. And frankly, they should be able to move that capital out and and help as many people as they need to help. It has been documented that the ABA is. Uh, feels that the Farm Credit System, Farm Credit Administration, has an advantage over rural banks. Is the challenge really with Farm Credit, or is it the regulations that you have to adhere to? I think it's the best of both worlds on that one, to be honest. The Farm Credit System has some inherent advantages over the banking industry, mostly due to regulatory and tax treatment. Um, In the Farm Credit System they are only taxed on non-real estate loans. So any land loan they make is is exempt from, from taxation. Um, not the case on the banking side, where many of our banks are 35% federal tax rate and then whatever the state tax rate is on top of it. But additionally, their regulator treats them differently. And we've seen this happen a lot in agriculture lately. I say this half-jokingly, but we've had a lot of regulators say that agricultural loans are risky. And I would argue agricultural loans are always risky. Uh, it's just a matter of how, how risky they are that particular year or that particular time. The Farm Credit System regulator, the Farm Credit Administration, doesn't seem to take the same viewpoint. And that automatically creates a discrepancy between the two institutions of what type of lending they're doing. Here's a good example for you. And this falls under Farm Bill, and but you can see the distinct difference between the two. On ARC and PLC, when we put together an operating loan, and we used the ARC and PLC projected payment. And we used to use direct direct payment, projected payment, on the banking side. We have been told by our regulators that we can't do that anymore because it's not a known payment. It's only a projected payment. And because you don't get that payment within the same year, it comes a year later, that's created a huge issue on the operating loan side for the banking industry. Over at Farm Credit, they have said, that's that's fine. We understand how this works. We'll let that ride over over two years. Again, that's it's not it's not necessarily going after farm credit or, or anything along those lines, but rather you see the distinct differences between the two, and it just it's made a much harder operating environment for our banks to be in. I look at my bankers and some of the loans that they are able to make, and it's it's unbelievable because of the inherent disadvantages they have. It's a matter that you're both serving the same clientele. It's just playing by a different set of rules. That's exactly it. We're uh, I'm a football guy, and I always use this analogy. It's like playing eleven on thirteen. Um, we just we're not playing by the same set of rules in a lot of in a lot of areas, and but we're serving the same clientele. And 
you know, we're looking at the same goals and mission. We want to get credit out to rural America and help as many farmers as possible of all shapes and sizes, but yet we have this whole set of compliance that we have to fall under that they don't. And it creates a very distinct difference between the two. Yet when you consider the scenario that we're in today with the agriculture industry, it is still the farm credit system, it is still rural bankers, and it is still FSA working together to help producers stay in the land. That's exactly, and that's maybe one big thing to to look at going into this next farm bill. Bankers and farm credit are working together to keep FSA strong, which tells you, you know, we're willing to work on issues when it benefits all of agriculture. Um, and we want to be... We want to be partners where we can partner, but at the same time, we have to realize that when you have inherited disadvantages, those have to be called out as well, um, because our, our banks want to do more. We want to do more lending, but we, we're held back uh, because of different rules and regulations and things along those lines. So we have to push to make sure that we're treated fairly, uh, that the rules aren't different across the board, and that we help as many farmers as we possibly can. Ed, last week on the program, we were fortunate to have the chair of the House Ag Committee, Mike Conaway, who uh, certainly is anxious to get started with the process of writing a new farm bill. How closely have you worked with the House Ag Committee and the Senate Ag Committee, and, and what do you sense of the timing, in fact, for new policy? So from where I sit here at ABA, I, I have a very unique role that I represent the agricultural banks across the country. Uh, and Due to that, Farm Bill is one of the big areas that we can get any changes to the FSA loan programs and the crop insurance and every other issue you can imagine across the board. So we've been very involved in the process. Um, we've met with them numerous times, uh, making sure that FSA is accounted for within their loan programs to make sure that those guaranteed loan programs especially are strong. Uh, the biggest thing we've pushed for on that front is to get their loan limit increased from 1.399 million to 2.5 million at a minimum. Why is that the case? Agriculture is growing in size and scope, and the FSA loan programs need to reflect that. Uh, I would say over here in the ag area, that's been priority number one, making sure that we have those loan programs so they're not good for just next year or the next five years, but for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Those programs are vital to us making sure we can help, especially beginning in small farmers, for for the years to come ahead. Additionally, on the risk side, I mentioned Arkham PLC earlier. Arkham PLC is, they're great programs, but there needs to be a few changes made to make them more palatable with the operating loan side of the world. Um, and the same goes for dairy and cotton issues. All of those things are used to provide risk management across the various commodities that we lend to, and we want to make sure that those programs are strong going into the future. With regard to crop insurance, most of the members of the House and the Senate Agriculture Committee is in full support of the program as it is, and have heard from more than one farmer or rancher who said, leave it alone. But still there are threats both from members of the House and from the Senate that would like to put a means test on the program or take away the harvest price option or other tools inside crop insurance. Are those threats? From the banking side of the world, anything that reduces our ability to manage risk is a bad thing. 
if you have some way to mitigate risk, it helps lower the cost for the customer, and it helps lower the risk profile for the bank. So crop insurance is huge for us, and we're seeing more and more usage of it across the country. So a means test, I get where they're going. Um, I, I really do. But agriculture has increased in size and scope and everything that they're doing. And just because you're a larger producer doesn't mean you have less risk. You have risk regardless of size and regardless of, of your operation. And any way we can reduce that risk on the banking side, the lending side, it, it makes it easier for us to continue to be in that space. Do you see a challenge as the committees look at developing the revenue option of the bill and of the price option of coming up with a, a safety net that is adequate for protection but also doesn't encourage production of crops just because of the, the numbers that are set inside a farm program? I think the challenge you have there is you still have so much diversity across the country that you have to make sure that you have options for farmers. And just because prices were high at one point doesn't mean they're going to stay high forever. So having those those multiple options, I believe, still makes sense. Um, and every operation is different. You have to have programs that reflect that. Even if you only have the, the price option versus the revenue option, you're still going to run into situations where that's just not going to work, depending on where you are in the country. You know, one of the other issues with ARC that they talked about is one county is totally different than another county. That's one of those things that has to be worked out, and I think that's going to be the hardest thing is working out how you make sure different counties are treated fairly and that you don't have this big discrepancy between the two. Uh, and then, again, between states. Just because there's a border doesn't mean that the land is much different, right? So you have to make sure that all those things work across the board. I think it is going to be a challenge for the Agriculture Committee, but the work that I've done with them and a lot of folks they have up there, I think they're up for that challenge. One last question I'd like to ask with regard to the Farm Bill is the amount of funds that would be dedicated toward rural development. Do rural development dollars appropriated inside the USDA budget have an effect on lenders? Yes, and and here's how. As you look at businesses in rural areas, especially your on-farm businesses or non-production agriculture lending, our bankers have used those programs more and more and more, and that's one of the biggest goals outside of FSA and crop insurance, et cetera, that we have is making those rural development programs more palatable to the lending community. Over the years, the funding levels have dramatically shifted year by year, so it's made it hard for us as, as lenders to really use the programs as well as we could. Going forward, we want to make sure that it has the appropriate funding and that the programs are set up in a way that banks can really use those. Uh, I mean, the biggest program we use is business and industry, and the bankers that I talk to that use the program love it. So we want to make sure that it doesn't go away, but we want to make sure rather we enhance it and figure out how to get more of our bankers using it. And it almost gets into this idea of rural infrastructure and other things we can do in rural areas. If we have loan programs set up through USDA, we may have more potential for bankers to be involved in rural infrastructure financing because, you, again, it's a risk issue. You have to be able to mitigate that risk, and rural development is a good way to do that. Well, Ed Elfman, we want to thank you very much for taking time to spend with us on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and you have the last word. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on today. And the biggest thing I want to say is, from the banking industry standpoint, 
There are just under 6,000 banks in the United States. 80% of those banks have agriculture in their portfolio somewhere. And within those 6,000 banks, almost 2,000 of them are considered agricultural banks. Agriculture matters to the banking industry. We want to be involved in it in any way we can going forward, and we want to be everything we can to help young beginning small farmers and farmers of all shapes and sizes get credit, be able to expand and grow their businesses and be successful farmers. Our thanks to ABA's Ed Elfman, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Edge, the dairy farmer cooperative that gives milk a voice. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley.